Internets, this episode is brought to you by Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed specifically for coarse, curly hair, and sensitive skin. Let me put you on to something. Enjoy smoother, clearer skin with Bevel. I've been messing with Bevel for years. I feel like they're one of the beginning sponsorships of podcasts worldwide. They've been putting people on, listeners on to their products because they're official, and I mess with them. It's the holiday season. Get your loved one a Bevel. For a limited time, get 20% off your next shipment with Bevel. Check out getbevel.com forward slash Pete, okay? That's getbevel.com forward slash Pete. You'll get 20% off your next shipment. Tell them Premium Pete sent you. Cheer. Oh, yeah. Happy holidays. Before we get into this week's episode, man, I want to shout out everybody that checked out last week's episode with the one and only CEO Charlie, a.k.a. Charlie Rocket, man. Let me tell you something. It's plain and simple, and sometimes you just got to add a curse to it. That motherfucker is inspiring, okay? He left, left a business making $15 million a year, won Grammys, managed two chains, took him from $2,500 a show to 150000 Okay, along with the, the, the legendary ATL label street execs, management. Come on. Are you kidding me? I mean, to, to, to then having a brain tumor, you know, beating and, and getting over that, and then Ironman and running marathons and biking across the world and helping people and transform life. And most importantly, that's the thing, too. You know, I have a couple of friends who are overweight and fight with the depression and how hard it is about that. And I'm glad we have someone on here. They can explain to that. Internet's at the end of the day, one thing I love about the Premium P Show is it's going to let you know you're not alone. Somehow, someway, you're going to relate to somebody. The Premium P Show is a library, okay? You may go in there, and you may grab a book you like. You may not like all the episodes, and that's okay. But if one episode got you, then tell a friend to tell a friend. Internet's, you know what time it is when I tell you to open up your Twitter app, open up your Instagram app, at Premium P, at Premium P Show. Check the fuck in. Let me know where you're listening from. Let me know what episode you're messing with. Happy holidays. Man, you know, if you listen to it uh, right when it drops, okay, I just celebrated my born day. A couple days before this episode, I celebrated my born day uh, with my family, with my friends, and I'm thankful, and I'm blessed. And I may not have everything I want, but I damn sure have everything I need, okay? And I'm 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 thankful, internet. I'm thankful for Premium P Show listeners worldwide that have opened up the door. The podcast is the door, okay? The door to your house. But once you come inside, what else is there? How's your couch look? You got carpet? You got hardwood floor? How's the TVs look? You know, that's what that that's what it's about. And stop putting people in boxes. I do a bunch of shit. I produce a bunch of shit. I'm I, you know advise a lot of companies. Work with a lot of brands on the food side. The streetwear side, okay? Don't only call me a podcast on internet. How dare you? Or a sneaker guy. I remember back in the day, people used to be like, oh, that's Premium P, a sneaker guy. I was like, damn, I need to work so hard. And here we are, okay? But one thing I will say this, there's no such thing as where you get to, oh, we dreamt to be here, and that's it. There's no final, like, you know, tunnel ceiling, you know? You, are, you, you need to find happiness in what you do. And if you're able to do that, then you're blessed, Okay? And as this Christmas comes upon you, Hanukkah, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and also happy New Year. Okay? Just make sure you continue to tell a friend, to tell a friend about the Premium Pete Show. This episode coming up is and it's funny because I feel like I've seen so many people's uh, uh, come up and, and, and growth 
and and rise. And yeah, that boy Nigel Sylvester, Queen Zone, New York City Zone. If you don't know Nigel Sylvester, okay, a professional BMX rider, I mean, he is so nasty on that bike. Pull up a YouTube video of Nigel Sylvester. But more importantly, his Go series. You know, some of the most inspiring and dope footage on video I've seen in a while. And how, how, how he's been able to work with and be sponsored by so many brands. Nike, Beats by Dre, Samsung, GoPro, New Era, you know, Casio. Man, so many. So many. And then the most legendary moment, he gets his own Jordan. The Jordan 1, Nigel Sylvester, with the scuff mark from the bike on there, with the little check mark in the front, going around the world and releasing your own Jordan. Imagine, imagine growing up, loving Michael Jordan and everything he is, and then one day to have your own Michael Jordan. Come on, man. The best thing I really love about this episode is how inspiring his journey has been for all from riding a bike. Think about that. Something as a kid that we just love to do is freedom and how free that feels. And this dude has turned into an entrepreneur, an icon, the professional BMX rider. Man, I, I, it ain't much more to say, okay? Let's hear this man's journey. Let's hear the ups, the downs, the sideways. But more importantly, okay, the inspiration from it. Again, internets, happy holidays. Oh, before, you know what, before I even go to Subscribe to YouTube. We're on YouTube. And, and and it is beautiful how many full episodes we have there. A lot of dope shit. Head on over to YouTube. Subscribe. Rate. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Oh, and, and if you listen to this when it dropped and you didn't wish me a, a born day blessing, go ahead and do that. At Premium P, at Premium P Show. Or email me, thepremiumpshow at gmail.com. Let's get to this episode with the one and only, the legendary, Nigel Sylvester, he nasty on a BMX. Oh yeah, the pegs, the 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 the, the spokes, the wheels, the handlebars. He shots of people, mongoose. I mean, shots of all of them. The Nigel Sylvester episode of the Premium Pete Show. Let's get to it. Cheer. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the undisputed voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Cork McClan, Internet. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go, Internet. Let's turn up one time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody, get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the show. Internet's welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with a longtime friend, man. Listen, okay, uh, he's gonna say that he's a professional BMX rider, <laughs> but I'm gonna say uh, uh, more things: entrepreneur, mm. uh, 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 trailblazer. Mm. Okay, I'm, uh, now we're gonna say I, I don't even know if it's a footwear designer or even a, a, a collaborator, or I don't even know what the word is when you have your own shoe uh, with a brand. I guess like you know, collaborator, or whatever. Mm. Anyway, listen, internet's the one and only Nigel Sylvester in the building. Wow, long time coming, man. Bro, long time coming, man. You know, we were talking about it's funny. Um, I remember us being uh, in, I was telling you, Brooklyn Bowl, and I remember just kicking it, and, and, and I feel like, uh, you know, like we were just talking, a grind sometimes takes a long time to get, you know, get there. 
definitely. But, you know, you never stop. We were talking also about a party that you had. How many <laughs> years ago was that? That was eight years ago. Okay. So yeah. so 23 on 23? Yeah, man. So my birthday is August 23rd, and it was my 23rd birthday party. And it was crazy, man. I think I was at, I think it was like Magic in New York or Agenda, one of those shows in New York. And I decided to have a party. And at the show, Hawaii Mike and DJ Clark Kent approached me. It was like, you doing a party? I'm like, yeah. It was like, we have to throw your party for you. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, why not? You know what I mean? Like two like legends in the game who did amazing things. Um, and I like handed over all the... All, like the, yeah. the rights of the, of the party to them to like handle it and run it and work it. So, so I I remember being at that party mm. and you see shirts that said twenty three on twenty three. Yeah, right. Which already had a dope look to it because you could put so many things to it, like MJ, mm-hmm. whatever. And then and then and then I remember Clark. Uh, was Clark spinning? Clark Clark spun some of the party. He's he, he spun like the last like hour of it, which which you got to understand, right, Pete? For me, like. Being a kid growing up in in Queens, New York City, and having like DJ Clark Kent spend your twenty third birthday party, like yeah. that whole night just like elevated me to another level, you know. And it even got better because I remember there being like a balcony. Yeah. Like, remember on top, like that top row, it was, it was and, 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 <laughs> and Clark Clark grabs the mic, starts talking about uh, how talented, how special you are. Happy birthday to you! And they bring out the one and only uh, J Cole. Yeah, and J Cole. Rocks a house, three, Crazy. four songs. Crazy. And I told you before that, you know, uh, before I was telling you, then he stays outside for about an hour, kicking it with the fucking, kicking it with the internet, man. Just chilling with the internet. Yeah. Yo, <laughs> yo, honestly, I know you said that that changed your life that part, yeah, but it did. but how amazing was that that night? It, it it was incredible. You know why? It was like the first official party. Not even official. It was the first party I had in New York City proper. You know, like growing up in Queens and you come to the to Manhattan, to the city, to party every now and again. But um having my own party where I invited a bunch of my people with to come outside, my family, people who just knew what it what, what it was I was doing and the scene and whatnot at the time. And it became a thing. Like I didn't know it would be such a thing that night, but it became this thing that night and like the energy was so electric. Um everyone had a great time. Like yeah. I spoke to like it, at at the party probably we had about 200 300 people like come through mm. and no one said they had a bad time even the photos from the party like yeah. I forgot wow. who shot the photos but the photos when I look back at it everyone had a smile on their face they were dancing drinking their hand having a great time and I just love partying like my like my like like my background growing up in a West Indian household. My mom and my dad, both from Grenada. Just having a good time, partying, celebrations, gatherings are a huge part of the culture. So that's something that, like, I've carried on with. I love to have parties. I love to have a good time. Like, yeah, any of my friends, like, anytime we're around and a few of us gather, let's, let's turn up. Sure, sure. So it was, it was a great moment for me, man. And it was, it was also a moment because earlier in the day, believe it or not, we had a bike jam earlier in the day. We had a game of bike. We had a race, I believe, and we also had like a best trick contest on some like BMX shit, which was incredible. That we had like that moment in the beginning, so we can like really like touch like the BMX audience, and then we had this crazy ass party at nighttime. So um, it was super dope. You know, you you. It's funny you say that you like the party because I remember you coming there super witty. 
And then I remember seeing you, like, there's a lot of times I've seen you out, like, you like to party. Yeah. But then at the same time, you're about your business. All day. You know, how, how do you make the transition to, like, just stay, like, like you know, like, it's not like you went to school for this shit, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, how did you, how do you, how did you know how to stay on track without getting lost in sense of party and hanging out? Because, you know, when you hang out, everybody's your friend, and shit's all sweet. <laughs> no, no, I'm just being. Like, you, you're right, though. Like, that's, that's that thing, man. Like, you go outside and you get caught up in that life. Um. I have to credit my mom for that. Mm. You know, she was a very um, focused individual. She's an amazing person, hard worker, and she sacrificed so much for my family for us to be where we are now. Like, she is, like, the lightning bolt, the the rock, the everything of, of my family. And, I, and, and I, at an early age, I understood, like, yeah, I can party and have a good time, but when it's time to work, I need to buckle up and, like, make it happen. Because I'm not just doing this for myself. There's so many other people behind me. I got younger cousins, nephew, niece who are behind me coming up, and I want to be able to provide a platform for them. But also, like, I have to, I feel I can't do my parents and my grandparents their work a disservice and when i say that like they sacrifice so much for us how can i not work as hard as i know i can work to to get where it is i want to go so that i can now also add to that legacy um and to my last name you feel me like i take family very very serious yeah so, the, the, the name actually sounds real powerful. I'm not just saying that. No, no, really. <laughs> you think about it. It's a dope name, Nigel Sylvester. Thank sounds you. like sounds like uh, 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 it was it was supposed to be something. So I'm glad <laughs> you're filling those shoes. <laughs> nah, definitely. You know, some names. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was never. Uh, you know. Uh, that uh you know i didn't like my full name like i liked it i just didn't like the way some names ring you know they they sound better together Mm. but you know when we think about it you grew up in queens right yeah you were born here in queens i was born um i was born in brookdale hospital okay in brooklyn and i grew up in queens queens new york um laurelton queens to be exact Mm, mm. grew up there my entire life queens get the money Always, man. Queens is doing some amazing things right now, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of kids in Queens that are just, like, showing out. There is. You know, now, you grew up with mom and dad? Yeah, I grew up with mom and dad in the household. What did, um, what did mom do? So my mom was a home care nurse. My dad was a... He was a DJ for a long time. Really? Yeah, man. He was a, my, my dad was a DJ for a long time. So I grew up around music. Soca music, to be exact. Mm-hmm. Coming from Grenada and the West Indies. Sure. Soca music was super big. Um... In my household, like I remember times where like my dad would go to carnival and bring back like VHS tapes of like the performances, and I can remember one performance in particular, Marshall Montano, and like when he dropped Big Truck, and like I would watch that video on repeat for mm. hours because like his energy, his performance, the song, everything about about it, like I loved it, and I would watch it for hours. I can remember my dad had a bunch of like records, like huge crates. Of like everything, like in the garage and the basement, um, and that was super dope. Like I, I, I talk about it now and think about it, like maybe that's why my affinity for music ex- ex- exists sure, because sure. I was exposed to it at such an early age. Like I'm not a musician, I can't rap, I can't sing, none of that, but I appreciate it so much and it moves me. Sure, you know. Um, so and then after he was did that, he became an electrician and like just okay. hustling and, and, and doing this thing, man. But. My parents were always hard workers. My grandparents were hard workers. My uncle came over from the West Indies as well, from Grenada. He was a hard worker, and everyone, like, really grinds. So I grew up 
in a household and environment where I've seen everyone work super, super hard. So for me, it's like, not even like, for me, it is working hard sure. every single day, like no matter what it may be. Like I have this crazy ass dream. Let's go figure it out. Like let's let's ride this bike till the wheels fall off. Literally, you know, you you spoke about uh, you, you know, being West Indian. How you know they celebrate, you know, a lot. That you know how they party a lot, mm-hmm. how they hustle a lot. Yeah. Growing up in that household was moms and dad. Like, was there a lot of love in in, in the family? Like, meaning, like, do you remember like times where like I don't know, pops would just hug you, or do you remember moments that you could treasure, or or, or it was like more of a tougher uh, family. Of course. I mean, there's moments where, like, yeah, I see my mom and my dad show each other love, and I'll come home, my mom will hold me, hug me. Yeah, of course, you know what I mean? But with, but in life in general, like, ain't nothing perfect. So there's the good sure, and there's sure. the bads, and you have to deal with it, you have to learn from it. You know what I mean? Um, but um, I think the biggest thing I took away from growing up in, in, in that household in Laurelton, Laurelton, Queens, was just hard work, dedication, perseverance, um, no matter what it is that you wanted to, like, to do. You know, it was always like, okay, cool. Like, how are you going to do it to the best of your ability? Where you, you think about me telling my mom I wanted to be a professional bike rider at, like, 12 or 13 years old. And she's like, mm, I don't know about that. She she didn't have knowledge on what it on sure, what she that has meant no history. At all. You know, like, coming from Grenada, it was like, yo, listen, you're going to come to America. You sacrificed so much to get here. You're going to, like, go to school, get education, and you're going to get, like, a typical job, whether it's a nine to five lawyer, sure. doctor, fireman, police, whatever it is, but you're gonna get the typical job. And for me, uh, at at that early age, saying, "Well, I want to do something that's so like unorthodox," you know, something that like my family didn't really know about. It was like, ah, cool, yeah, you may go and do that, but whatever, you know. So I feel I had an even bigger chip on my shoulder because I had to prove to them that why this was important to me, and also prove why I can make this work. You know, that was like one of the biggest motivating forces was let me prove to my family, my friends in my in my neighborhood, in my environment, why this mattered to me. You know, and I didn't think about, yeah, it will get to where it is now. I'll be sitting down talking to Premium Pete about some mm. about my life. Mm. But I just had that 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 blind faith that it that it will work. And if it didn't, I'll still ride it out. You mm, feel me? Mm. And, and and you are. And it's funny because you're, like, riding. Like, people, I always say, like, people's journeys are crazy. But, like, you're riding out, like, <laughs> pause, then no homo. But you are riding out your, your your journey. Real talk. You know, when was the first time you ever rode a bike? And actually, before mm. you even answer that, uh, for people listening who may not even know who Nigel Sylvester is, go to YouTube or, or just go to his page. Was it at Nigel Sylvester? yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not just saying this. You know, I don't blow smoke up. Uh, to me, one of the nastiest BMX riders I've seen. I mean, the things Thank you me. do. Not real talk, man. The things you do um, are just insane. So, internet, if you go to YouTube or go uh, check out his channels and, and, and see what he does, if you don't know him, if you do, uh, you, you, you're here for the journey. <laughs> but but what yeah, was the man. first time you ever, uh, like, rode a bike and, and, and that feeling? Um, prior to a few months ago, like, I thought the first time, like, well, my earliest memory was like four or five years old, like riding a big wheel in my grandmother's driveway. And then my aunt sent me a photo and I was like two years old and I was holding on to this bike with my hand. Like the bike is bigger than me, but I'm holding on to it. You know, so I so, I, so seeing that photo, I was like, man, like I was made for this shit, man. Mm. You know, like it like it 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 reinforced and cemented to me that I didn't choose the bike, like the bike in the universe god chose it for me and i just had to like do the right things i had to like fight and 
and and prove that I was worthy of it. Mm-hmm. You know, man. So that was wild, man. But even like all those memories, like there's like, like there's a block in Laurelton, two eighteenth Street, where my older cousins and they like they, they like they live there. And my mom worked so hard; she worked multiple jobs growing like from like while I was growing up. Sure. Like a lot of parents did, you had to work two jobs sure. just to maintain the household, food on the table, roof over our heads, and do what you had to do to make it happen. So I spent a lot of time growing up at my cousin's house in two eighteen. And um, at, at that time, a lot of, like, young kids on the block. And that's when I got exposed to riding bicycles was being on that block. And I credit so much of who I am, my, like, core values, my my grind, the fact that I even like riding bicycles to that because that's when I was introduced to it, you know. Um, and at, at that time, it was, it, was, it was very innocent. I didn't I didn't think much of it. I just knew what I loved to do, like, to ride a bicycle, and, 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 I, and I got fulfillment from it. I mean, were you good at it, though? I didn't know I was good at riding bicycles till later on. You know, like, it's funny. It's funny because you know when I think about that shit, what does that even mean? Not meaning what you're saying, but like people get on a bike, they ride a bike. Yeah. Some people don't think into you know more into it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like like of, of how to do certain things. Like you know, do you remember falling a lot when you tried? You know? Of course, I remember falling. I got, and I got the scars to prove it, man. Mm-hmm. I got scars here. I got scars here. Hair on my head, like all over my legs and shit, everywhere, bro. Because like riding bicycles is, it's it, like it's a learning curve, and and comparing it to like a basketball or a football, you know, like those are like objects that you can like pass off, and then you can still play the game and sure. come back to it. They pass you the ball, whatever the case may be. With a bicycle, that things that things pauses on you all the time. Mm. You know, you have like you have this object that's attached to you by the hands and by the feet. And you have to manipulate that object, and you have to you have to control that object, that like that tool, you know. So of course, like things, like, as you learn the trick, things ain't gonna go right, and you're gonna fall down, the bike gonna fall on you, and things happen, you know. But um, I think for me personally, like I like persevered and say, you know, I'm not gonna let those those falls or like those like trips or those setbacks determine my future with this bicycle. I kept I kept going, no matter the stitches, whatever bloody this, swollen that, none of those things mattered to me. I was so determined. And at that time, like, I didn't see the full vision. I just wanted to execute this dream of being a professional bike rider. That was sure. all that was in my mind. You know, did you feel like, you know, growing up, especially, you know, did you feel like an outcast riding a bike? Especially because even when you look at it now, you know, uh, and I don't I don't know the, the scene of, like, bike riding, but yeah. how many... How many professional black uh, um, bike riders are there? Mm-hmm. More so, you know, um, everybody probably wasn't doing that, you know, mm-hmm. when you were growing up. They may have been playing, you know, uh, baseball or basketball. or Not nah, for sure. Like, and, and I grew up playing basketball, and I grew up playing football, like two-hand touch, three, like three-second sure, hole sure, in the sure. streets. Like, Rough touch. I thought I was, I mean, I thought I was a shit. <laughs> I mean, I was small, I was fast, like... Like, I would probably get picked, like, third to last, but I thought, in my mind, I was like, yo, I'm killing it. It don't matter, you know, but um, I grew up playing all of that, you know, but it was something about the bicycle that just I gravitated towards, you know, and um, to, like, to your question, yeah, like, it wasn't something that was feasible I mean, in, in my neighborhood. Like, no one from my neighborhood became a professional bike rider prior to that, so that idea... That dream wasn't real. It was like it was something that like people would reference, like yo, that's that's some like white boy shit that people on the West Coast do. And yeah, BMX was born in the West Coast, but like people adopted it all over the world. Um, so yeah, it, it it 
it wasn't one of those things that people were like, okay, cool, like, yeah, like, we hear, like, your dream or your vision, let's, like, help you do it. People helped me in ways that I don't think they they like, they knew they helped me. Mm. <laughs> you know, where it's like, I'll pull up in a block and do a willy, and then, like, they may have been, like, an older cat that knew how to willy longer, and he would give me a tip. Not understanding, like, how I was taking it, just trying to help me, you know? There were a lot of people that didn't understand the vision. It was like, you want to be, you want to be a professional bike rider? Like, that shit is not real because it... Again, yeah. it wasn't a reality in my hood. Like, no one from my hood ever became a professional, like, bike rider, skateboarder, any of that. Um, but also, like, that gave me motivation. People, like, I remember certain times, like, in school and shit, where, like, I would come to school in certain, like, bike riding apparel, you know, and people would be like, oh, yeah, that's, like, like that's some white boy shit. <laughs> like, I'm just like, obviously, like, you see my skin color. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not that. I'm just embracing something that matters to me. The curve shifted where it's like, okay, cool, like it's cool to embrace brands that may have not been the traditional hip hop brands, but they may have been like some like super uber like bike or some like skateboarding brands, and that became a thing. And I came up in that curve as well, so I owe a lot of it to timing, you know. Like again, that's why I feel like I was not entitled to this, but if I played my cards right, this was meant for me. If that makes sense, you know. You know, you you, you dealt with a lot of brands. I mean, uh, and, and we'll get to that. But more importantly, you know, when we think about uh, your journey, mm-hmm. it, it's 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 there's a lot of things to go over because <laughs> now you think about it, right? Because it's like you turned a lot of dreams into reality. Facts. But but uh, you know, before off air, I remember you telling me something about a bike. Like it's the most pet. Would you say like? Yeah, what? the bike is the the bicycle is the most accessible mode of transportation in the world mm. you know like you would think about like how people travel and and the ages of like people you know like you look you think about it as a child like the bicycle is probably the first thing that you can like get your hands on and control and maneuver to get from point a to point b as fast as you possibly can before getting a car mm. you know and like like what they say like once you learn how to ride a bike you never forget you know, you think about some of the places in the world where, like, people don't have access to cars, but they have bicycles. You know, it's a it's a cheaper mode of, of, of transportation. It's easier to maintain. It's more affordable to maintain. It's more environment-friendly. You know, it's, it's all those things. Mm. Um, I never looked at it like that. Think about, yeah, no, man. No, think about all the different genres of bicycles yeah. there is. <laughs> you know, from a, from a child on a training wheels and, like, a little push bike to road bikes, BMX bikes, mountain, mountain bikes. bikes yeah. It goes on and on and on, man. So I remember a uh, ten-speed bike uh, back in the day. My sister got it was a Ross. I, <laughs> I remember so. Ross, Ross. Yeah, it was a Ross. But I remember growing up having mongoose, putting pegs on the back, putting yeah. pegs on the front. Um, even even the wheels. I remember. You know, it's so funny. I don't know how many people remember this. I remember. You familiar with quarter waters, obviously. Of course. I remember putting quarter waters in the spoke <laughs> to make it make that sound. Yeah, make that sound. <laughs> you know, underneath the like, yeah. just stupid shit. But you know, it's like. Here's, here's the thing. As you go on, you're 12 years old, right? Yeah. You want to be, become a professional BMX rider, right? But mm. first of all, what does that even mean? Like, because so, you are a professional BMX rider, but what does yeah. that what, what does that mean for people who listen who may not know? So people who may not know, it's just, it's the same as that thing as being a professional basketball player, professional football player. Like you, you're doing this sport at a at a very high level, at a, at a professional level. You know, like you're one of the best in the world. You're one of the best in your class. You're one of the best. In, in your city, you, you get to this professional level where like, you're doing it at an extremely high level and you're getting recognized from that. You're getting a salary because of that. You're getting endorsement deals. Like, you're traveling the world. Like, you're doing your thing because of because of your skill level at this craft. 
Mm. He knows. Do you know who to uh, remember? Who the first brand that uh, believed in you? Yeah, it was a brand called um, Base Brooklyn. Mm. Yeah, uh, isn't that a bike shop? No, um, Base, Base Brooklyn was actually a, a clothing brand. Okay, um, okay. This dude named Eno started it, and I was like the first dude to give me free T-shirts. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and that was a huge thing at that point, man. I think I'm like 16 years old, maybe 17 years old, man. And um, I'm doing my thing in, in New York City, respectively, and kind of, not even kind of, but I, my like myself and a couple other dudes, like we were the next up. Sure. So BMX is like certain generations. Like every five to seven years, a new generation of, of of BMX riders. And at that point in time, like I was one of the few that were the next up. I was doing my thing. I was putting out work, and I was filming dope footage. And when I say filming dope footage, I was going out there, riding my bicycle, doing tricks and doing and doing stunts. And we were filming it and putting it on videotapes and, and DVDs to put out to the world. But what made Similar. you think? What made you think to to film it? Like you thought because I mean, like that was a thing to do. Like I can remember even be I can remember even being like fourteen years old, thirteen years old, and I asked my mom to get me a video camera. So for Christmas, the only thing she got me was a video camera, and I would like she got me a video camera and a tripod and a couple other things. And I would like it was cold, bro. It's Christmas in New mm, York, <laughs> mm, mm. and I remember as soon as I got that camera, I was like, oh, I'm lit. I'm good now, you know. And I would. Take the tripod, I'll put the camera, I'll set the camera up, and I will go out and I will ride and I will film myself so I can see what I was doing. Prior to that point, I would go ride and do tricks, and I couldn't see what I was doing. Mm. I felt it, but I couldn't see it. And it's part of it is seeing. Same way a basketball player, a football player, they watch footage, sure, watch, watch game yeah. footage to understand, okay, cool, like, I need to do, do this next time. Being a bike rider, same exact thing. Like Seeing what you're doing helps out so much. It, works, it helps out with your technique, how you approach certain tricks. So I can remember, like, at that point in time, my mom getting me a video camera, and I knew, like, yeah, I needed to get a video camera because I would watch other D- other videos of BMX riders, and, like, cool, it made sense to me. Okay, cool, these dudes filmed themselves. I need to film myself. So I remember asking my mom to give me a video camera. I got that video camera. I used it for, like, a year and a half, and then whatever, I got over it. But I can remember filming myself and watching the footage and stuff like that. So once I got to, um, once I got to, start riding with real like real pros and other riders like that was a thing like we would go out and ride we'll probably do our thing for a certain amount of time and the rest of the time we're out filming ourselves trying to put the best tricks we can do on video the same exact way artists want to put the best thing they can like like when i say sure, artists sure. i say a rapper a musician whatever they want to put their best bars and their best songs on sure. wax because that way you can share it with the world like, it's good when you and your boys are sitting in the cypher in your crib, no one's recording it, but when you're able to put that on, like, a, a, a physical thing and share it, it's a diff- it takes on a different life form. So um, I started to, like, film myself. I got, I got to the city, really joined the BMX community. They embraced me. I started to film, like, videos and stuff. I started to put, like, clips on video. And Base Brooklyn was like, okay, cool. They started to hear about like what things I was doing, and other people co-signed me, which I appreciate to the fullest. And they started to give me free T-shirts, mm-hmm. and that was such a such a moment for me. You feel like you made it. Oh my god! At that point, it was like nothing else mattered. I got a free T-shirt. Like yeah. the fact that like this talent, this skill of mine that I've been working on for years in the hood in Queens, got me to the point where someone else recognized me enough to, like, take this T-shirt that, like, they worked hard for to make and to share with me because they wanted me to rep their company because sure. I was doing my thing. That meant the world to me, bro. Mm. 
meant everything to me. That shit is dope. That shit is dope <laughs> when you think about it. When, when, when did it feel or when did it really become real? I mean, it, it, at that point it was real, you know, because, like, when I started coming to, like, the city and, I, and to be exact, I came to Union Square when I was, like, 15. And that when it, that's when it became real to me because prior to that, like I was watching certain videos of of certain pros like riding and like riding and doing their thing. It was a company called Animal Bikes, and they would put out DVDs and, and VHS tapes like every year, like once a year. And I would see like these dudes from New York City, these pros, dudes like Tyrone Williams, Evan De La Rosa, Benny Salmon, Bob Scarabo. These dudes are like the top of the worms. These dudes are like the top of the game. Vic Vic Ayala, like these dudes were like the top of the game. And I would watch videos of these dudes. I mean, I would sit down there the same. I would sit down there and watch these tapes, watch these DVDs for hours on the end on repeat, just studying the tricks, studying what they were wearing, studying the songs they were writing to, all of it. And one day, like, one of my boys was like, this dude named Therese. I was in 10th grade, 15 years old, and he was like, yo, bro, I heard about this spot in the city called Union Square, and all, like, the bike riders and skateboarders, like, they all go there and they ride and shit. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I heard it's crazy. He never been prior to that. I never been. I don't know how he even heard about it, but he told me about it. I never asked how he heard about it. I just believed him because I was, like, mm. anything that was BMX information, I was eating it up. And I was like, you know what? I got to go see it. So one day, like, I, like, cut, I, like, cut school and shit, <laughs> like, took my bike, and I headed out to Union Square. Mind you, I'm growing up in Jamaica, Queens, so I had to ride from my crib. It was, like, a 20, 25-minute bike ride to the train station, to the Jamaica Center, and then jump on the train to Union Square. It was another, like, 45, 50 minutes on the train. It was a troop just to get there, but I had to go see it for myself. And when I got there, all these dudes that I was seeing in these animal videos, they were there at Union Square riding and chilling. And I was, like, so, like, blown away. I was like, man, I can't believe that, like, these dudes who are, like, the top dudes in the game who live in New York City, they're at this spot chilling. And from that point, I was like, okay, it's real now. Like, I was able to have a conversation and shake the hands of the people that were, like, my idols at the time. Mm. And that's when I knew it was possible. Mm. I was like, you know what? It's definitely possible now. Did you uh, have a, a, a regular job ever? Of course, bro. Like, my first job worked at McDonald's. Okay, nice. S- summer job. I worked at McDonald's for for uh, two summer straight. Sweep the floor. Next week, you do the fries. Fam. Like, I, I worked up from, like, sweeping to, like, manning the grill, making Egg McMuffins, Big Macs, like, all types of situations, working the drive-thru. Mm. Like, I was doing everything in the store. Um, I worked there for two summers, and then on the second summer, I was like, man, I want to ride my bike. I'm over this shit. And I used to ride my bike to McDonald's to work and I ride back home and I was like you know I'm over this shit and I walked out mm. and I rode my bike in the parking lot like <laughs> <laughs> I swear to god dude. did you get a, another job after that yeah after that um I got a job at Pathmark cause I was like man I gotta I gotta stay fresh at school so I need some money for back to school shopping and shit yeah so I got, I got I got a job at Pathmark I worked there for a while I was a I was a, a tiller and I was like yo I asked one of the manager and they're like why am I a tiller I want to work in stock she was like you're a tiller because you're in school every day. Your brain is sharp. You can count. Mm. I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to be in the back lazy and yeah, shit, sure, but they sure. had me up front. Putting a pair of headphones on and rock out. I wish I could put headphones on, bro. Like, they had me on the register, like, yeah. ringing shit up all day. And then one day, this dude walked through the through the, um, through the through the line. This black dude, a bald head. I never forget. I forgot his name, but I never forget. He had a bald head. He had a little, like, goatee. And he was like, man, like... He asked him how much you're getting paid, and I told him whatever it was, it was $70 an hour. He was like, I'll give you a job at Express for Men to come work for me in the stock room. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm with it. 
I'll get paid more money, and mm. I can get like some ties and button-up sure. shirts. And I was like, fuck it. I, I quit Pathmark, worked for Express for like a year. And then at that point, I was like, man, like I'm over this shit, bro. Something in me was like, man, I want to ride my bicycle and be a professional bike rider. I was riding my bike throughout that entire time. But I was like, I need to dedicate all my time to this. And I don't know. I couldn't tell you now what inside of me told me to do it. But I thank God every single day for it. Mm. Because I was like, you know what? I quit this job. I was like, my first year of college, I was like, I quit this Pathmark shit. I'm going to ride my bicycle, go to school. And I used all my um, financial aid money to support my like my BMX habit. Mm. Mm. Parts. It, pay, it, pay, it paid off. <laughs> Facts. It paid off. You know, you think about it. When 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 were you? You know, obviously uh, Gatorade has been involved. Was Gatorade the first sponsor that really started paying money? No. So um, um, I was I was seventeen. It, it was the summer. Cause like like my birthday is in the summer. So I was seventeen, and I had went on a trip. At this point, this is right before I turned pro. So Glenn P.P. Milligan, who I will always credit as, like, one of the biggest influences and big and, like, biggest motivating forces in my life, um, he took me on a trip down to North Carolina, and he was filming for a video. And at the time, he was worked at Ride BMX. So I would compare Ride BMX to, like, not even compare, but it was the biggest BMX media platform at that time. Mm. And they would do videos, like, two videos a year, and he was the head video guy. And he did a trip where he took four local BMX riders and took four, like, huge BMX pros and kind of mashed us together and kind of, like, best of both worlds. And on that trip, I went down to North Carolina, and I met Dave Mirror for the, for the mm. first time. And at this point, Dave Mirror, for you for you got people out there who don't know who Dave Mirror is, I will compare Dave Mirror. I will compare Dave Mirror is to BMX or Michael Jordan is mm. to basketball. Mm. You feel me? He is the greatest ever. Like, hands down, God rest his soul. He is forever the greatest. And, like, my, like, boyhood hero, like, my idol killer. So he took us down to North Carolina, and he had, he, like, let us ride together. It's like, like, not let us, but the video was, like, we guys can ride together and kind of experience each other's worlds. And I met Mary at the time, and he was starting a company called Mirico. And he was looking for a, B, a BMX street rider. He was looking for, like, you know, trying to put together this team of ramp riders, dirt riders, street riders. And um, he wanted to put me, he wanted to sign me. So I went down there, met him, caught a vibe. And a couple months later, he signed me to Mirico. On the same exact trip, I met a dude named Mark Losey. Mark Lo- At the time, Mark Losey was, like, one of the biggest, like, BMX photographers in the game. He would later on, in this, within the same couple of months span, he would later on become the team manager of the Nike BMX team. Mm. So on that trip, my life changed forever. And it's one of those things where it's like you being prepared for opportunity. Because if I wasn't prepared, I would have dropped the ball. But I was prepared at the time because everything I dealt with before. So in that summer, I just turned 18, and I got, I got two phone calls that summer. One of the phone calls was assigned to Dave Murray's company. As, this, as as the second bike rider ever to sign to Dave Mirror's company. The other one was to sign as a second rider to Nike, to, mm. to Nike BMX program. That's right. Weren't you signed to 6.0? Or yeah, I was signed to 6.0 first. That was the first division of Nike I got signed to when I yeah. was 18. It's, I think 6.0, um, um, didn't they? Uh, I don't think they're around anymore, Nike No, 6.0. like it dissolved like five years after the yeah. program and turned into something else. And 
So so Nike so at that time Nike became a, a, a sponsor, right? Mm-hmm. Now w- was that only you know not getting in your pockets, but was it a money sponsor or was it just clothing and equipment type sponsor? Yeah, I was getting paid, bro. Okay. I went from like living off of financial aid to getting <laughs> paid a salary and traveling the world and gear. Bro, I had like my mom couldn't believe it. She was like, bro. Why is there like twenty pairs of shoes showing up to your doorstep? I'm like, cause like I'm sponsored, ma. Yeah. You know, like I was getting shoes. I mean, I still get shoes now, but it was yeah, it was a situation where I got signed to a professional contract, two professional contracts in the same summer. Mm. So life changed me automatically. Cause prior to that, I'm running around with like holes in my shoes. Um, sure, sure. I'm just um making ends meet. I'm doing whatever I gotta do to make ends meet to the point now where I'm showing up to like the local bike spots and I'm fresh as fuck. Like brand new sneakers, new jeans, new hoodie, brand new bike. Like it's a whole movie. You know, and, looking and crazy. Get, and getting paid while you're at it. And getting paid. You know what I mean? But that was that that's what it was to become a professional bike rider. You know, and they're shooting me they were traveling me around the world. I went to like China and Tokyo, Dubai, man, Mexico. I was all over with the place. Bike. With my bike, bro. And I'm eighteen years old. I couldn't even, like, properly have a, a, a real drink yet, mm. you know. And I'm around the world on my bicycle, just, like, fish out of water type, type situation. Mm. Um, but I embraced every single moment of it, every single moment. I was super grateful and super thankful. And a lot of people didn't understand it. Like, a lot of people in my family didn't, didn't understand it because it was so unorthodox. Like, hold on, this same exact bike you're riding for all these years prior, you're now, like, getting paid for this. And, like, they're sending you these places. And, like, and it wasn't, like, crazy money, but, like, it sure. was I could, I can eat. I sure. can like put gas it's in like my a car. Salary. Yeah, like I can put gas in my car. I can like put clothes on my back. I can, I can, I can move around a little bit. You know what I mean? Like so it was a vibe, bro. Yeah. So 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 how do you even elevate from that? That's the crazy thing because somebody could just be happy enough with that. Yeah, man. You know, like you you literally fulfilling your dream. You traveling the world. You are making money. You getting mm-hmm. gear. Yeah. Especially we're from New York, you know, we look yeah. fresh. We got a little bit of money in our pocket. That's what matters, right? <laughs> and we, and you're being able to do what you finally, because I'm sure when you think about it, you know, it, it took a while to get there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like we think about the McDonald's and think about you know uh, uh, Pathway. Path you think about working yeah. all these places and then finally being able to do what you want to do. How do you level up? Like how did you get? How did the next sponsor come on? And 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 was that the one that really like took it to the next level where it wasn't just a salary? I mean, like, Nike took me to, like, that next level. We told him I wanted the biggest brands in the world, man. Um, and to me, like, a brand that I grew up yeah. rocking. I mean, we all grew up rocking Nike. Sure. You know, you think about some of the commercials they had and some of the campaigns they had and the athletes that, like, they've endorsed and, and, and backed for all those years. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, everyone in this room right now is, like, rocking Nike. Sure. <laughs> you feel me? Um so that was like the big one, and like that really like was a stamp and a cosign for me. Mm. Um, after Nike, um, like after Nike and Miracle happened, um, like Animal Bikes came around the same exact time. They were like, "Cool, we have to turn this kid pro now." So now I'm like riding with three professional companies. And then um, after that happened, LRG. I was signed to LRG okay, for so a yeah, little I remember bit. That. I remember that. <laughs> That's LRG classic. was a movie, you know. That was crazy. And then um, shortly after that, I got signed to Gatorade. So at that point now, I was like, man, like, people are looking at me like, dude, like, all of these crazy brands are, like, co-signing you. And, like, the like the craziest part about it was, like, normally you get a professional bike rider, you ride contests. At this point, I'm not riding any contests. I'm just making content. You know, like, YouTube really started popping. 
MySpace, Facebook started to come around. Mm-hmm. So I was like an early adapter to these social media platforms. Like I credit social media to really let him, to allowing me to tell my story and share it around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was super important to me to use social media. And I realized that early again. I don't know why I did. It just felt right. I was like, you know what? I'm going to shoot this little video and I'm going to put it on YouTube and I'm going to push it on my MySpace. I probably have like 100,000 followers on my MySpace or something like that. And top 16 with the music yeah, playing sure, when came sure, to the sure. page. It was a whole movie. Glitter on the page. <laughs> it was what all the types fuck of, was going all on? All types of shit falling from the top of the page. Now, you, know? you never you spoke about competing. You, ne- you yeah. never went to X Games or anything like that? Or? Um, so I, I remember like competing in like one contest in the Bronx super early. I did another one in, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Yeah, I know. Super right. early. Forget about it. Yeah, that was like that was super small. And then like I did I did two X Games, one of them in uh Dubai, one of them in uh in Mexico. That's why I went to those places at first. But I really didn't care about it. I more went just to see what those places were like. Coming a kid from Queens and you sure. tell me, yo, I'm nineteen years old, I'm gonna take you to Sao not Mexico it wasn't Mexico, sorry, it was Brazil. Mm. Sao Paulo, like go to Sao Paulo for three days and go chill and go ride this contest. I was like, whatever, man. I just want to go see the, go see the sure, city. Sure, sure. And, I remember, I and to... like my like biggest memory from from Sao Paulo is going to this party and we didn't party until like eight in the morning. That was my first time I went to a party that ended at eight in the morning. And you were there by yourself? I was there with other bike riders okay. and whatnot. You know what I mean? I was like, this is crazy. I, that was that was more exciting to me than actual contest. I didn't care about the contest. You know what I mean? It was like whatever to me. I wouldn't want to go for the experience. Damn. Yeah. Now, yeah. you used to bring your bike with you. Like, how did how does that happen? Yeah, you, man. You just put it on the, uh, you check it in? Yeah, check it in. Um, I break it down, put it in a golf bag, and I check it in. See, I would never even know about uh, yeah, that. Yeah, that's just like tricks of the trade. Pushing weight out here. <laughs> you, know? you know what? Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We're going over the journey of the one and only, uh, the legendary BMX rider, uh, Nigel Sylvester. But he's more than a goddamn BMX rider. Man, we did so much things, man. Oh, come on. Come on. We'll be right back in chance. Don't go nowhere. Hey guys, this is Ronnie Feig. You're over here checking out my man, Premium Pete, on the Premium Pete Show. Internets, I already let you know this episode is sponsored by Bevel, the first and only end-to-end shaving system designed for a consistently smooth, irritation-free shave. Okay? Dermatologists recommended, clinically tested to help reduce and prevent razor bumps, discoloration, and irritation. Over 90% of Bevel users notice improvement in their skin and their razor bump reduction. Bevel is a good look. Level up your grooming routine with the Bevel Shave System. They got the trimmer. They got the lotion. They got the regular razor. Let me tell you something. Their products are official. They're premium. It's the holiday time. I already told you, get your loved one a Bevel today. Head on over to getbevel.com forward slash Pete. That's getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Get your Bevel trimmer and shave today like a boss. Now let's get back to the show. Cheers. Internet, and we're back, sitting here with Nigel Sylvester. Um, listen, w- before we went to the break, we were speaking about brands and, and, yeah. and turning your dreams into reality and coming all the way from a kid from Queens. Yeah. Think about that shit, man. Just a kid from Queens riding a fucking bicycle. Bro, man, like, I, still go to, I still go back to Queens now and, like, ride through certain blocks and reminisce and drive through certain blocks and get goosebumps, man, thinking about, man, I used to remember, I used to, I remember jumping off this curb cut or riding down this block because, like, the driveway was a certain way and I can, like, jump off the driveway a certain way. Mm. Um, and, like, man, like, everything looks so much smaller now, you know? But I appreciate <laughs> the moments. And and and, and, I, and I do it because I feel like it keeps me grounded. It it, it just keeps me connected with where, where I'm from. Mm. 
You know, we we, we were talking about another person from Queens, uh, Ronnie Fogg. And I remember saying, like, I remember seeing his come up and, 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 and how much, you know, and I was just telling you, it's funny, the more people who hated on him, the, the more that kid did. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I saw is that one thing is both of you's elevated, like, meaning, like, the more he did, I seen the more that, you know, you did, like, and, 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 he, and he supports you as well as you support him. What does that relationship mean to you? It means a lot, man, like, being uh, a fellow, like, Queens kid and, like, seeing seeing him do his thing and us both going to the same high school, mm. <laughs> you know, um, having these, like, very uh, irrational dreams to do this thing that may be, un- like, unorthodox or not cool at the moment, but, like, f- having that foresight and having that vision, having that, having that, having that grit and that and that blind faith to make some to make it come to life you know um, and watching him do his thing understanding his humble beginnings and me doing my thing with my humble beginnings you know it it, it means a lot that we're able to now like collaborate at this stage in our lives and like create dope like dope things and if i'm having something he'll come through and he's having something i'll come through and support and i think that's what it really is about sure this is about support man it's like this is a community you know what I mean? Whether you have a fashion brand, whether you're an athlete, whether you have a podcast, whether you're running a sneaker store, whether you, whatever it is, like we're a community and we're New York City kids and we need to help each other and support one another. Mm, amen. You know, and like that's like, that, like, that's a beautiful thing. So watching him grow and watching him build Kiff and everything else that he's doing is so motivating for me as well. You know, I'll turn in internet one day and I'm like oh Ronnie did a Kiff Versace collab I'm like oh my god I'm like, I'm like what am I doing right yeah. now I need to get it right and I'm sure like I'll one day I'll he'll turn on and you see me drop a Jordan 1 or whatever the case is he's like man like okay word and you know what I mean like Ronnie was like like once I put the Jordan 1 out prior to, prior to putting it out he knew I was putting it out because I told him with sure. my homies you know what I mean he knew before that everyone else knew he was like, yo, bro, you got to send me a pair. Like, I want to do, like, a sneaker breakdown of it. I want to do a talk about it. And I sent him to, he was out in Malibu, sent him a pair, and, like, he did a whole bunch of stories talking about the shoe, loved it, showed mad love. And that's just incredible, man. And, like, everyone is doing their thing and chasing their passions. No matter what level you are at it, but you're still doing your thing. And to have that support, it's incredible. You know, a uh, great segue uh, and well, I guess we'll finally get to it. How does a kid from Queens, okay, who was uh, parents didn't even understand, like, oh, he wants to be a professional BMX rider, like, come on, man, like, yeah. get yourself a job, make and have his own Jordan 1. <laughs> like, think about that. That's just, <laughs> that just that sounds crazy. <laughs> that shit, exactly. It sounds crazy. Exactly. It's wild, man, but it's a beautiful feeling. You know, and I and I really I look at it as a testament to the work that I've put in for so many years, and the work that people before me have put in for so many years. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's the shoes, of course, like Michael Jordan and like what he symbolized and what he means to me personally. He's the goat of like sure. athletes, you know, especially basketball and the things he did on the court and how he changed the game, the style he brought to the game, the persona, the personality that 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 it factor the things he, he did on the court and also off the court the brands he worked with just the culmination of all these things that made him who he is like the hard work and dedication that like you that that that, that us as fans we learned about through the content through the commercials through the games all those things um he's definitely an idol to me and the, like the jordan shoe is 
especially the Jordan 1, is something I embraced for so many years. I remember when I started to ride in Jordan 1, people looked at me like I'm crazy. Like, dude, are you really riding in these retros? I'm like, yeah, I'm riding my bike in these shits, and I'm going to fuck them up. Mm. I'm going to mess them up. Why not? You mm. know, because for me, it was, it, was, it was the whole package. It was like, man, like, when I go out and I film a clip, when I go and I want to go and do this trick, I want to go to a stair set, and I want to go up this rail to Harwin and Bar Spain. That's a trick. I want to make sure that, like, my gear is right. I'm in, like, the dopest kick. So I wanted to be in Jordan 1 because those, like, those sneakers just connected to me and I related to it. It was, it was aesthetically, it's a great-looking shoe. Um, the way it, it, the way it functioned with what I was doing at the time and me riding on bicycles, it worked incredibly well. So I, I just, I gravitated towards it. I started riding in shoes, I mean, I'm like, man, and then, then, then I learned about how, like, Jordan 1s, they age so well. Mm, like wine. Them, yeah, like wine, bro. Like, like when you beat them up, they just age super well. And I started to beat my shoes up in a very unique way. Like, I'm riding my bicycle, so it's getting different type of scuff marks in different places and whatnot, man. So something that I embraced for a very long time. And then the idea, I was like, man, what if I can have my own Jordan 1 one day? That became an idea. And then that idea became a reality. And I was able to design my own Jordan 1. And uh, the end of 2016, we started working on it. And... The idea was like, man, like let's like replicate what it is that I do in the shoe. Like I naturally like distress and beat the Jordan one up when I ride on my bicycle, which is which is one of the truest things to me. Let's replicate that and put it on a brand new shoe. And it was the first time Jordan one ever did a distress Jordan one. Mm. Um, and it has a scuff mark on the. It has uh, scuff marks all over them. And 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 that is to resemble to get yeah, to like to like mimic and to tell the story of how I use this product you know and a lot of times like, yeah, people cop shoes and stock them or dead stock whatever cases i do the same thing certain shoes i don't rock them but the fact that we made a shoe that comes already like distressed distress it was it was it was it was something that was like brand new it was like unprecedented you know you started working on it uh, obviously it was a secret when you started working on yeah, it because no it, ta- it takes the time of course but but explain t- explain to me how like, did you get a phone call? Like, yo, I'm. A, this is really gonna be happening. Like, <laughs> how, how was that moment? Like, what's that? What's that call? Was it a call? Was it? Was no, it a meeting? Um, Frank Cook and I actually met. Shouts to Frank Cook. Frank Cook is a man, legend, visionary, one of the sneakers gods of this whole thing, man. He, uh, him, and I met um, in the city here, here in New York, and he was like, "Yo, listen, like, where one of." He was like, yo, where one of your really, like, distressed Jordan 1s? He had the idea in his mind already of doing a distressed Jordan 1. And it just, I feel like it made sense with what I was doing at the time. And I wore a pair of shadows that was, like, super beat up. Like, I like for some reason, these shadows fit so well. Like, I loved them, wore them every single day, and, like, I killed them. And I wore the shoes to the meeting with him and I. We sat down, we had lunch, we kicked it, we spoke. And after the meeting, he was like, yo, send those to me. And I was like, you sure, bro? Like, I'm really not, I'm not, I'm not trying to send my Jordan 1s anywhere. Like, I like these shoes. Like, <laughs> I love them. I live in these things. I'm not trying to send them. I was like, not send them to me. And he was like, we're going to try to, like, put it, like, put, like, put the play together. And we end up, like, chit-chatting. I end up sending the shoes to him. And this is prior to when we started working on them. This is, like, in 15. This is, like, sure, way sure. before, you know what I mean? Like, end of 15, like, early 16. Um, I sent I sent him the shoes. So the process was it was it took a minute to get to that point. Uh, sent him the shoes and like he was like, "But I'm gonna holler at you." He kind of took him to Portland and did his thing and whatever those internal conversations had to happen. And then I went up there 
um, like the end of 16, we started working on them. He was like, we, we, we gonna do it. I went up there, started working on the shoes. You know, we, we had the idea of doing a Distress Jordan 1. I was like, of course I want to do a Distress shoe, of course, because at that point, like all, like most of my Jordan 1s are Distress. I'm rocking them every day, like, no matter where I'm going. Um, so it made sense to me. And then we sat down in the lab, we cooked it up. We did one sample, did another sample. And I was like, cool, like, let's let's get this thing out. And he agreed. He's like, listen, I think they're right. Let's, do them. let's get them right. Let's get them out. So, um... I think it was like the top of top of eighteen. We saw that like, we, like we pressed the button. We're like cool, we are gonna put these out. And then the sample came in. I think around like like the final sample came in maybe like late winter, like March somewhere around there. Actually, no. The the, the final sample came in in April because I just came back from shooting Go London to Paris, which is Go is is is, is my brand, and I do a video series called Go, and I'm sitting at the editing bay with my director Harrison Boyce and Frank Cook FaceTimes me and it's like, yo, check the shoe out. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is crazy. I was like, let's push, let's push the button, let's make this happen. And then he sent he sent me that sample and shoes in production and we put them out and it was like, man, like how many pairs did they do? <laughs> I can't tell you that. <laughs> okay. All right. Very very limited, man. Very very, very limited, dude. And it's it's wild to take to, to to sit here and talk to you about the journey and and from like yeah being a kid in Queens, young kid and having a dream of just being a professional bike rider to now talking about like yeah like I was able to maneuver myself to a point and do all the right things to to get to the spot where I have where I can now do my own Jordan One, and we put that Jordan One out on September first, twenty eighteen, like just a few a couple, few months ago, and. We did we did multiple releases in New York. We did a release in LA. We did London, Paris, Amsterdam, man, and like that shoe sold out in yeah. seconds around the world. Like I pulled up and I mean like we flew into Paris for like on September first on a release day. Flew into Paris, and I remember telling that like my driver, I was like, "Yo, pull up to the um, Jordan store, the um, Bastille Jordan store. I want to see what's going on over there." And I pulled up to the store and a hundred kids outside in line. Mm. waiting for my shoe and I sat there for a second and the car was all tinted so I could see outside but they couldn't see me inside and I didn't, and I didn't get out the car at all I just sat there and like looked at these kids I'm like man I made this product I made this Jordan 1 that like people around the world resonated with and you know if anyone knows you can make sure. a Jordan 1 and that shit could flop sure. <laughs> that shit could be like doo doo you feel me but the fact that like we put this shoe out and like just on the internet, and people just seen the photos of it, and they were like, yo, I need that. And people lined up across the world. Like, I remember seeing photos from people that lined up in Tokyo and Germany, like, all over the world, dude. Like, we did Paris one day, and then we did London and Amsterdam the next day, and people were lined up mm. to buy this shoe. And I was like, wow, man, like, talk about the power of dreams. Mm. Talk about willing something to existence. Talk about, like, persevering. And, like, coming from a place that, like, people would least expect you to come from to do something like this, you know? And I, again, I, I attribute that to my, to my upbringing, to every single person along the journey that may just give me one piece of information to a, to a 23 on, on 23 party, to the conversation we had in Brooklyn Bowl, to Sean Jones told me how to do a bar spin back in Laurelton, to like all these different moments, you know, to all the photographers, the videographers, the people that fucked with me along the way. You know, like, not 
because they seen they not, not because they can get anything directly from me. They just believed in me, and it was a it was a vision, it was a vibe to get to that point to the to the Dave Merrill's, to the Mark Losey's, to the Glenn Milligans, all the people that like helped me along the way. I thank every single person for the things they've done for me. You know what I mean? It's amazing. It's amazing what what it, I I got to make sure I say this right because it's amazing what someone believing in you can do for you. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it really is. Like you know, and and it's it's because sometimes some people you know that's all we that's all we need right. is someone to believe in us. You right. know, I mean, and, and at the same time, I always tell people. People believe in people who believe in themselves. <laughs> Definitely. You know? So there's two two sides of that coin. You that's know, a, that's a good point. You know, you drop so so you dropped the shoe. I remember seeing you, yeah. uh, Kith, and like you said, all over. You know, uh, n- n- now now you say to yourself, you know, you have your own Jordan, right? Yeah. But you also had Gatorade, right? Yeah. Are you still with Gatorade? No, 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 I'm not. Okay, long, but you were with man. them for a long time. Yeah, I lived for six years. Mm. And, and with Nike for for I mean is yeah, that I've been with Nike for over a decade, man. Signed to them, bro. I mean that's that's, that's crazy. It's insane, dude. Like it's, it's wild, man. Like this year has been has been such a such a blessing, man. We dropped the we dropped the Jordan One on September first, and then we dropped the Air Force One on. Well, that's right. You did the Air Force One we did, too. We did the Air Force One. That shit How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> Just you know, grinding and people people at the building like believing what it is that that like, that I'm doing and um, and understanding like where it is like, that I'm going and where we Air Force. We did we did a we did a Nike ID Air Force One, and we created a palette based off of Paid on Full, mm. like one of my favorite movies, like. Mm. I mean the soundtrack. The, sure. the track is crazy. Like rock camera, every beat that's amazing. But the movie also incredible, and one of my favorite movies ever. And I and so many quotables, so many incredible moments. I wanted. I want to create a palette based off this shoe. So we created um, a palette for, for the, the Nike Air Force One. It was sold out in three days. Mm. What'd you do? Like three, three different ones, right? Then? Yeah. So like I did like three, like three different lead colorways, but then people can go on the Nike ID website and then tune it to like their to, to their liking and do the whole Nike ID experience. And we sold out in like like I said in three days, and that was like amazing. Like back to back, like I think it was like October like tenth, and then September one was Jordan one. October tenth was the Nike ID Air Force One. So we sold out two shoes back to back, which was which was crazy. You know, and then um, right now we have the Nike Just Do It campaign running in the city mm. for the new for the, for the new Nike store. Um, and again, man, like I'm just again, I'm just grateful for the opportunity that that I've been afforded. And it's and it really comes from the fact that I believe that I believed in my dream to be a professional bike rider. You mentioned uh, your um, brand Go. Yeah. Uh, you got into a little bit about the direct. Of course. What, what does it stand for? Man, so Go is my travel lifestyle brand, and it truly embraces the the person with that DIY attitude, the person that is is the hustler, the go getter, the grinder, the rational dreamer, um, the 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 person that lives out their imagination. All like all the things that I that that, that I use and I've I've embraced over the years to build my brand. You know, I, I wanted to create a brand that represents that person. I feel in this day and age with social media. Man, like whatever it is that the crazy idea you have, you can make that shit happen no matter what. You can truly make that thing happen. If you go to sleep tonight and you have a dream and you wake up in the morning and it's like, man, I have this wild idea, you can now make that thing come to life. And I wanted to create a brand that embraces that person. So I started a video series about three years ago. 
And I was at a point in my career, I was like, I'm doing a lot of branded content and I wanted to create a piece of content that I owned out rightfully and something that like truly embraced how I felt at the time and something that no one else told me I had to like follow these guidelines. Mm. I, I enjoy doing branded content. I have a lot of amazing brand partners, but it's also important to create something that I own or something that's that that like that's on me. Like listening to hip hop growing up, you talk about you hear motherfuckers talking about like yeah, I own own my own masters and own my music and being sure, a businessman, sure. being an sure. entrepreneur. And that's something that's important to me. Like I'm watching my family work super hard all these years. Like, and if I'm working this hard, like, let's like, like, let's own something. So I created this. I created this video series with one of my best friends, Harrison Boyce, who was the producer of, uh, who was the um, director. Sorry, who was the director of the Ghost series. We started this video series and we shot the whole thing from the first person perspective. First, when I say that, the first person POV. So like, you see exactly what it is that I'm seeing. The camera is mounted to my body, and you can see what what I see. And we decided to step with the creative um, by by intertwining each shot seamlessly. I'm super when it comes to film. Um, I'm super into those like um, continuous dolly shots where like the camera never cuts. I love that shit. So I was like, man, like let's like let's combine the POV perspective with these seamless cuts. And of course, you can't shoot a video through New York City all in one shot if you want to mm. go from Queens, Brooklyn, Harlem, Bronx, whatever. So how do you do that? You do these seamless transitions. So we created this formula. We 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 we, we took the summer of 2015 and we created this video series called Go. And it was born out of that spirit. It was a DIY project. We didn't have a big production. It was just him and I. And that that hustler mentality that I'm gonna go out and make this shit happen no matter what. That I will not lose attitude. We we, we 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 took that we took that mindset and we went out and created this video project, and we did it on our own, um, and we put it out on YouTube, not knowing what to expect. We like, we knew it, it was good because at that point I've done tons of content. Harrison has done tons of content, so we knew it was good in our in our opinion. We didn't know how good it was. We put it out to the world, put it on YouTube, and the shit caught like wildfire and went viral. Mm. And we was like, well, man, we we may have something here." So we. We we edited the video, and the last clip is me jumping on a helicopter and taking off over New York City. And we did that. We was like, okay, cool. Just in case this thing goes off and it's good, let's like let's be able to like connect it to another video. So it it went super well. Tons of views. Um, it's it's well over ten million views at this point. Mm. And we did another video called Go L A. And it was a continuation of going to New York. And I like the video starts off with me in a helicopter. I land in LA and I go I go through my day in LA showing like the people I'm interacting with, things that I'm doing, and things that like BMX and bike riding has afforded me. So we did that video and again it did super amazing. So I was like, okay, cool, we got something here. At that point I was like, you know what? I wanna ride my bicycle around the world from the first person's perspective and share this journey of me starting my starting my starting uh, an, an adventure off in Queens and taking it around the world, coming back to Queens. So we after that, we did Tokyo, we did Dubai, we did London to Paris, and we just finished doing Miami. So now, like, we're on this mission of documenting me riding my bicycle around the world from the, pers- from the first person's perspective um, and creating these... Uh, these go videos mm. and from the video series people like started to really embrace the brand so it's like cool so i doing merch 
to start doing pop-up shops, events, and it turned into, like, a full-blown brand now, which is, like, my, like, day-to-day is, like, working on the Go brand and building it to this, mm. building it to what, whatever it would turn into. I'm hoping it, it sky's the limit. Who knows? You stars the limits, whatever, you know? Um, but taking it to, like, this height where it's, like, cool, man, like, I just really want to express what it is that I'm doing and 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 create something that represents those like hustlers young old in between don't matter like if you have a dream and you want to embrace you want to go get it this is a brand that like embraces that this is the brand that fights for you this is a brand that's breaking down doors this is the brand that represents you um and it's been an incredible thing man like the the video series is over 55 million views at this point mm. Mm-hmm. organically like we you know what i mean there's people that around the world just love what it is that we do and embrace the stories that we're telling mm. and it's something different like i feel like uh you know it's like a breath of fresh air when you see uh something different man yeah and, man. you know especially in, in the space we're in it's it's good to see talent on all ends you know you think about it you know you you worked with all these brands and and, and had all these opportunities and turn your dreams like i said into reality. Mm. When when did your mom and dad or your mom say like, oh, okay, we, we understand what you're doing? Were you able <laughs> to buy something for them that they believed it, or what um, was it that made them say like, Nigel, okay, <laughs> you don't need to get that nine to five? <laughs> They'd be like, Nigel, we like, we believe in you now. Um, I think one of the first moments was Nike put me in a global campaign. Um, it was the 2008. 2008, I think it was the 2008 um, Olympic campaign. Mm. I think I think that was the moment where, like Nike chose me to be one of the faces of that campaign, along with a couple other like huge athletes, um, like top tier athletes. And that's when I realized, okay, cool, like I'm now part of this group of these top tier athletes. I'm I'm, I'm doing my thing at, at, at that level that a, a brand like Nike would wrap an entire global campaign around me. And I brought my mom to see the, it was a billboard on West Broadway in Houston. And I didn't even tell her it was there. I just told her, mom, come down. I wanted you to see something. And she came out and we stood there and like, it was a billboard. And, and even though it was just like paper, like <laughs> the billboard, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not like, it's just a billboard, but it it meant so much like the meaning of it was so significant. The fact that like this, this kid, like me being a kid from Queens, and I did all the right things to get to a point where this, this brand, this huge brand, would like champion me as, as, as an athlete that they feel can represent their brand on a global level, that elevated me so high, um, and it also show my family that what I was doing wasn't just like wasting my time. Sure. You know, and like from there, like you mentioned Gatorade being sponsored by a brand like Gatorade and like of course, like as the years went on and on, like I was able to make more money and like that part of it is cool and money comes and goes. This is what it is. But the things I was doing, like having like some of my mom's friends like call her like, Oh, I see Nigel doing this and like, oh, okay, like it's not just something in this small community of BMX and like sneakers. This is this is going way beyond our immediate like circle. Um, they started to understand what it is I was really doing. And at the point where it is now where, you know, like it's beyond my wildest dreams and beyond my wildest imaginations and it's it's an everyday thing. You know, um 
like my parents and my family like really believed in like they really believe it now and like they see what I'm doing and they have full full faith in my gut and in in, in my ability. Mm. How long do you think you could do this for? To Not the, many entrepreneurial. Uh, so the wheels fall off, there bro. You, okay, <laughs> that's the best. Now, do you read any books? Of course, man. Like, what's some books you're reading? So, um, I mean, like Alchemist is one of my favorite books. Mm. Like that's something I've read a couple of times, and like I'm super into just like positive vibes and like dreaming super big and being motivated by like those things. Something I got into recently, man. Like is motivational speeches. Mm. I recently got introduced to a dude named uh, Inky Johnson. You know him? I heard of him. Bro, so this dude is powerful, man. I want to meet him. Like, I'm like his biggest new fan. Okay, we got to put it out there. Yeah, man. Like, he uh, he grew up in in, uh, in Atlanta um, and played football his entire life. And I think he was eight games away from the NFL draft. And he had a career-ending injury off of, like, a weird tackle. And his, I think his right arm became paralyzed. Mm. And now he's a motivational speaker. Man, I was like, yo, dude, this dude, when he talks, man, he has my attention, like, 110%. Powerful, powerful speaker. Clear stories, clear visions, man. Um, so like right now, like I'm, I'm just listening to, I'm listening to like a lot of like Les Brown, I've been listening to recently. I listen to like a lot of interviews, people like Jay-Z, Will Smith, Kanye, Pharrell, those people I was listening to the interviews and like. Yo, you speak of Pharrell, you made me think of something, man. I remember yeah. him riding a bike with you on some video. Pharrell's yeah. a friend of yours, man. Yeah, man. How the Pharrell's fuck did that homie. happen? Man, so, um. So I was on Miracle for like for six years, and I felt it was time to make a change. Um, I met I met Joe from Brooklyn Machine Works. I met Lloyd, who's one of Pharrell's business partners, and he was like, "Man, we want to do we want to like relaunch Brooklyn Machine Works bike company." I was like, "Oh hell yeah, I'd be definitely down for that." And knowing Pharrell was a partner, I was like, "Okay, I know what's going to be thing at this point." Pharrell launched Ice Cream, launched BBC Music is crazy, like top of the world, and I was like, "Let's do it." So I thought, so I signed a deal with Brooklyn Machine Works, and once I signed that deal, I was working with the brand. Pharrell and I became uh, close and like worked on different projects. He was in some of my videos, I was in some of his videos. Like it was a thing, man. And he's like a huge bike rider. He he messed with the culture. He fucks with it. You know what I mean? He rides bikes. He rides skateboards. He embraces it. I just seen him in Miami recently. We were chatting it up about some shit. Um, but yeah, it's just like. A friend of mine is a mentor and an idol. Like, I look up to the things he did. He changed another game changer. Yeah. You know what I mean? He changed the way people look at things, you know, and continually see change things, you know, which is super incredible. Yeah, I remember uh, when he was, I remember the videos that he was in riding bikes with you. And man. I remember, I remember also how you felt about that shit. Like, you're like, yo, this is crazy, man. It's, it's, you know? it's insane, man. Like, for me, like, I, I, I remember being in my mom's living room, dude. On that nappy ass brown floor, had a little nappy brown, brown um, rug, and watching like Provider, mm. and seeing that video and Pharrell's in there riding bicycles. I'm like, yo, bro, this is crazy. Like I'm a kid. This is prior to me even like venturing outside of Queens to ride bikes and seeing someone at his level ride BMX bikes. 
in a music video and embrace it the way he was embracing it, like front and center, not like shying away. He's on the bicycle riding, rapping, singing, whatever. It's like, man, that shit was incredible. It motivated me so much to see someone like me who were riding, riding a bicycle. When I say someone like me, like seeing a, a black dude, you know, like embrace BMX at that time. Because prior to that, like you in my neighborhood, hearing people talk about, oh, yeah, that's a white boy sport. And then seeing like someone like Pharrell embrace it. I'm like, okay, cool. This is, this is dope as hell. You know, um, so I was like, like looked up to him and 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 like was a fan of the things he did. So once we got to work together, like we did some dope shit, man. Like creating dope content and the bike company, and everything, man. It was cool. Yeah, big homie for real. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a lot of dudes that you uh, uh, rode bikes with. Yeah, and a lot of official. I remember that Spanish dude I was telling you. Uh, oh, Ralphie, Ralphie, Ralphie Ramos. Yeah, that boy's, that boy's nasty. Ralphie is a New York City legend. Shout out to my guy. Who's some Who's some people that are uh, coming up, man? Who's some that, that that you see out there grinding that you would uh, give a shout to? There's a lot of kids grinding, man. Like one of the kids is sitting in this room right now, Donovan Howard. Jonathan Donovan. Jonathan Donovan, like young New York City ripper from uh, Best Out Brooklyn, doing his thing, you know. And um, I'm like, I'm excited to see how he takes BMX bike riding into his world and now project it out and hopefully go on to do incredible and, and great things. Like as part of the process is sharing information and like seeing people come up behind you and like helping that process out. You know, I mean, you see it all the time in hip hop, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it happening in, in BMX. Yeah. You know, you got a chance to, uh, like I said, you got a chance to work with Gatorade, mm-hmm. you know, be sponsored by Gatorade, be sponsored by Nike over a decade, have your own Jordan one, um, have your own shit, if I remember right. Have your own G-Shock. Uh, is yeah, that right? We did. Yeah, we did. We did two G-Shocks, man. Yeah, Again, yeah. like, like North America, like record breaker, like in 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 sales. Mm. You know, and that's crazy. Like even that, I remember like my mom hit me up. Like I just walked through Macy's and like I seen your watch on display and then playing your video at Macy's. And that for me is those moments that like beyond solidifying and like and reassuring me that, that I'm, I'm on the right path it makes me so happy to know that i used to walk through that mall walk through macy's to get to the mall to go school shopping and like would have never imagined that years later my mom could walk through this place and see me on a screen and like can actually buy a product of mine like that's Again, it, it it sends chills through me, and it, it just lets me know I'm on the right path. Mm, of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> the journey has been amazing. <laughs> it's been crazy. And and, and, and and still got a lot to go. As we wind this episode down, if there's somebody listening that, um, you know, wants to see the thing about you, too, is that you're not just a BMX, a pro BMX uh, rider, which you are, but you're mm. more than that, meaning, like, You've worked with so many different brands. Mm. You've been able to elevate yourself. You're, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, straight up. No, no, you. You know, um, somebody's listening. They want to follow their dream. You know, I always say if there's some bumps in the road or they just, you know, they, but they have a vision. You know, what's some advice you have for them? And like the things that I that that I speak to about my things that I speak with my team about on a daily basis. Excuse me, is truly follow your dreams. What is it that really matters to you? What is it like that you would do whether you're getting paid for it or not? You know, like, what are you passionate about? Because those are the things that you're going to put your all into and that you will probably see the most success with. You know, um, 
how can you create something that would not just affect your life but those around you? I tell I, I tell people all the time, like I'm not just riding and working hard for myself. I'm working and riding to provide opportunity for my family and those around me. Mm. You know, that's truly what I believe it is. I, I grew up in a household like my mom wasn't working just for herself. She wasn't busting her ass and like working double shifts, triple shifts just for herself. She was doing that for her her kids and for her family. Like yeah. she wasn't just providing for a household here in New York City with my dad and my brother and myself, like, she had people back in Grenada that she had to provide for as well. And I grew up seeing that. So there's no way now I can just do this thing for myself. Like, I want to be able to create opportunity for those around me. Like I said earlier, I got, like, a niece. I got a nephew. I got a brother. I got friends. I got other bike rides in New York City. I got my parents, people that, like, I want to be able to help and provide for. So, like, those are, like, that's probably, like, my biggest motivating force. And then after that, it's, like, cool, like, self-accolades and things like that. But I'm fighting for not just myself at this point, man. So find, I would say, like, find that thing that, that truly matters to you, that, like, you're willing to fight for not just yourself but for your community as well, people around you. You know, that, that thing that makes you happy. Um, you know, that thing that you feel will fulfill you. Yeah, for self like fulfillment is important. Like when I'm out riding my bicycle and creating videos and content and doing go videos, like I'm fulfilled with with executing the idea, starting at A and then at B. You know, like whether like we make money on it or not, like I just want to see it come to life. That's passion, man. That's, that, 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 that's a successful journey that's still going. Yo, how, what's the longest you uh, did a wheelie for? <laughs> I got blocks, man. <laughs> blocks, bro. Going through Queens, man. Blocks. It, you know, it's one of those things, too. Like, I put my mind to it. If I want to go out, I'm going to do 30 blocks. Yeah. If I can't do 30 blocks on Monday, I can bet you by Friday I'm doing 30 blocks. Mm. I'm going to figure it out. If I want to do 40 blocks, whatever it is, like, that's that, like, do or die mentality. That's that I will not lose mentality. Yeah, sure, sure. It's like, okay, cool. If I can't do it, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. But, I mean, on some I go outside right now, put a few blocks down. It's nothing. Yeah. You know? You know, when you did a lot of your deals, uh, did you, did you like, have a lawyer or, or you didn't, like, you, you handled all your uh, deals? No, I definitely had, like, representation. Um, I've, I've had an agent for a long time now. You know, and even that's so weird, man. I just feel like I have to be honest on this podcast and just honest in general, man, like, when I first had an agent, like, people in BMX looked at me like I was crazy. It was like, oh, you got an agent? Are you fancy or something? you trying to fancy? trying to sell out? (laughs) Crazy. But I I, I knew, like, man, like, if I want my deals right, I need proper representation. You know, you want to go get the, you want to get experts in your field. Sure. You know, so, like, don't be afraid to have proper representation. Vet them out the right way. Ask ask questions. Learn learn things like understand how to read a document understand what you're signing so important especially for like young creatives that like you just want to focus on like creating i get it but take that like 15 20 percent of your time and learn how to read a document understand what you're signing it's so important like not getting jerked out here bro because they yeah. will try to get you yeah you know it's funny uh, uh Yee said this shout out to Yee. I, I, I remember she said something that really really stuck with me about mm. 
about how, why it's so important to be represented correctly yeah. is because they have information that they're privy to. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if they're dealing with Gatorade, I'm just giving mm -hmm. an example, the lawyer or the agent may know that Monster gave $10 million. Five. So they're going to ask for $12 million or around Definitely. that around that, you know, ballpark. So it's like things that, that's what you pay for. You pay for that information and plus also that professionalism. So, listen, there ain't really much more to say. What you, uh, it's at Nigel Sylvester. Yeah, yeah. At, at Nigel Twitter, Sylvester. Twitter, Instagram. What's the website? Well, you can just like hit your like local Google search and just put Nigel Sylvester in. My shit find pop everything up. in there. You feel me? And YouTube. YouTube. And, you and can the, put a Nigel Sylvester live at YouTube. You put Nigel Sylvester go. Like, all of that should pop up, man. We've been working for a long time. So we like, you know, stapled in all, all those searches. What's next for uh, Nigel Sylvester? So we have the next Go video dropping on December 10th, the sixth installment, Go Miami, um, which is probably, like, one of the best ones yet. I mean, it's always one of the best ones yet. And in 2019, man, like, I'm one of those kids, man, where I want to I wanna hit them with the element of surprise. I don't need to talk about mm. too much of what I'm doing. I just don't be, be in the kitchen constantly. Make more moves. <laughs> Make less announcements. Exactly, man. I just want to pop up. You hit, you open the ground one day, like, oh, shit, this nigga got it There again. he goes again. Hey, you feel me? So, that's okay. what we Hey, listen, man, you got so many brands, I don't know who the fuck fucking Target's going to sponsor in 2019. <laughs> we'll put that into existence. Internet, we'll, we'll first of all, all. A, 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 as we end, I want to say I'm very proud of you, man. Thank I, you, sir. I mean, I mean, the grind has been uh, uh, tremendous. I, I, I always enjoy that there's uh, people I've seen, you know, I've seen uh, grind and grow and and from a distance it's it's a proud thing to see man no likewise and and and, and thank you for having me have me tonight man you know, yeah, come on. i thought it was a bit hard to track down but no nah, i saw good love just, is love you already know it's love man so that's yo clark kent taught me that that one love is love yeah. man. shout out to dj clark kent that's my big homie man he he like, he believed in me for a very very long time. We we worked on my first Nike SB Dunk High. Oh, that's right. Together, that's right, yeah. you know. So Clark was a big homie. Showed nothing but love and shout out to him, man. I listened to Reasonable Doubt early. I think when you called me early, I listened to Jay Z. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. It was Reasonable Doubt. That's why I was like Brooklyn Queens Day. It's a Brooklyn Queens Day <laughs> nah, today, man. Like I I really listened to that album, man. Like once a week, man. Like Reasonable yeah. Doubt is one of my favorite joints, man. Shout out to Hove. Yeah, absolutely. Hove all day. Internet's right. the one and only. Okay? Make sure you keep it. I told you, if you don't know who Nigel Sylvester is, pull up that YouTube. Check out how nasty he is. Crazy. But more importantly, uh, continued success. My brother. Thank you, my dude. Nigel Sylvester. Cheers. Internet's, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to email me at thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com. Again, that email is thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought. And listen, all my advertisers out there, all my big businesses, my small businesses, whoever, a friend, a store, you want to advertise on the Premium Pete Show? Email me at thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com, and let's get working, okay? Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment on all streaming platforms and podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend, and we'll see you next episode. Cheer.